Triple M's Real Football Show. Oh, Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Oh, indeed, another massive week of football right around the world. We're going to talk about the Euros. We've already seen some great goals, some interesting goals, controversial goals there. We'll talk all about that. Uh, We're going to cross to the Daily Mail in Scotland. Stephen McGowan is actually there watching the Euros as we speak. Uh, Scotland and England is a huge game coming up at Wembley. He will be there and he can tell us all about that. Ross Aloisi, another Australian, has been linked to Celtic. In the Scottish Premier League, we're going to talk to Ross about uh, his impending move there as well. Uh, as I say, hello to the panel, including Maria Jose Rockas. How are you? Cocktail? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thing. Any goals from you this week? Yes. You yes, did? I did, yeah. Really? <laughs> Cha-ching, <laughs> Wow. Where's my wine? Yeah. <laughs> <Another bottle laughs> wine. Yes. By the way, we're 50-50 on this. You know that. What do you mean? <laughs> right, in buying the wine? Yeah. Okay. If she scores a goal. Pen- Penfolds Grange, yeah? Yeah, she said, yeah. Yep. Penfold like grain. My right. favourite. Okay, you buy this week, Albie, I'll buy next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, uh, the big topic uh, I want to ask you about um, from where I sit, VAR, are we finally seeing that it can work? Val? What I'm seeing at the Euros is, in my opinion, the perfect way to conduct VAR. It's not intrusive. The game is flowing. They get... Uh, decisions which are potentially controversial over within seconds and I'll highlight one that happened this morning. Italy played uh, Switzerland. <clears throat> they beat Switzerland 3-0 but there was a goal disallowed. Giorgio Collini ri- rises uh, high to head the ball. Mm. The ball hits his arm. It falls on the ground. He puts the ball in the back of the net. Italy celebrate and everybody thought it was 1-0. VAR had a look at it and correctly decided no goal, that took less than a minute. If that happened here in the A-League, it could have been 10 minutes before we would have known what was going on. But throughout the whole tournament, VAR has been absolutely pinpoint perfect. The so way what's the difference? Why are they getting it right? What's the, what's the difference? Why are they getting it right? Uh, look, I agree with what he's saying about the, the time frame that they, that's required to look at the VAR and you know the A-League, the EPL. It takes forever and, and that... It just means that the game's prolonged. You see uh, people scoring goals in the 98th minute, you know, whereas at, at this competition at the Euros, uh, they are on top of But to be honest with you, looking at the, and again, coincidentally, it's uh, Scotland I need to speak about here, McTominay, <laughs> okay, he burst into the box and there was another one where um, Robertson, having a good strike, definitely hit the guy's hand. Now, I'll tell you this right now, if it was in the EPL, it would have been a penalty kick. McTominay was very, very 50-50. I thought 60-40 were, were apparently being given, but he was bundled over. But, you know, I'm not sure if they've got it right, but I hear what you're saying, Val, and I agree with this. They get it out of the way right, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. The thing is with the VAR, it was brought in to eliminate the clear and obvious error, and that's what it's doing. If And I saw that handball, and it was a defender. But the, the, arm, the, arm, the arm was out. But the, the well, let me law ask you a question now, though. if the attacker hits the, the hand, it's no goal. But a defender, obviously, and I think they're absolutely correct. It's clear and obvious the errors they're eliminating, which is great. Whereas before, we haven't seen that. It was like a 50-50, ah, okay, no goal, 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 no goal. Yeah, look, true, but I see and I compare that to the South American Copa Libert, uh, Copa America is, is happening also now. And it's not that quick. 
and it's not that good. And they're still making mistakes. Referees are going, see that what's happening, see replay the play, and they take decisions that everyone's like, what? But you can see it. So I think in Europe, of course, you know, training, they have professional people, people, and, and it's, it's becoming much better. And I think all of us should be, you know, look at that and it's example. But still referees are going to apply what they think. No, because of course they were. Exactly. But in, in Copa America, we see it. And but, sometimes um, it's not a fair. Is it to do with the number of cameras, though, and the, and the uh, budget? Well, UEFA's got a massive budget. And, and there usually is 26 cameras for, for games like this, but there could be 32. And the minimum cameras allowed, which is a FIFA law ruling, is four for the VAR to be mm-hmm. used. And I think it's not enough. And we've seen that here in the A-League. Yeah. Where you, so don't, you don't get all angles, and then mm. and then a goal's overruled, or there's an offside over. And, and and in my opinion, ditch the VAR in the A League if you're going to have four cameras only. Yeah. It needs it needs so many cameras to get it right. But you know the other thing which you speak about is it's protecting the referee a fair bit. You know, yeah. over here in the A League, this is our league, the A League. You know, I think the 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 referee is under immense pressure. To, to get it right. And you're talking about only four cameras and you're right in saying that you need, you know, 20 or whatever it may be. But I, I just think that um, you're, talking to, you're talking about the best referees in the world um, refereeing at this elite competition. Yeah. You and the Euros. And, you know, it is good. It's nipped in the bud very, very quickly with four gurus looking at uh, screens up the stairs and it, it's get, it gets snipped in the bud between 30, minute, 30 seconds and a, and a minute dits. So, mm. so therefore, All right. a, a, it's a good situation. Okay. So it sounds like a step in the right direction with VAR during the Euros at the moment. Albie, I want to uh, ask you about another um, topic. Um, your boys, the Scots, against mm-hmm. the Czechs the other night. The goalkeeper off his line. He's nearly at the halfway line. The ball comes over the top. Terrific goal. Czechs win 2-0. Why, Kote, I want to bring you in on this too. Why do goalkeepers insist on standing so far up the pitch? What, what do they gain from it? I, I think, to me, it's a lack of concentration and they just go wandering. They just start walking up, up the pitch. They, their job is to protect the goal. So yes, but the I think... It, yes, of course I am. Than, Who's, who else, who else is full? That's a brilliant goal. Go- hang, on, hang on, hang on. Why was it allowed to be a brilliant goal? Because there was no goalkeeper. He was smart. Saw him off his line. Why, I think you, it, <laughs> I've just said, why is he off his line? I think it's because modern football and, and coaches these days tell goalkeepers not to be on the line. Tell them to, hey, you want more player. We can use you with your feet. You have to come and support your defenders. Not their job. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> You're old school. I mean, it's not their tournament. job. You've got four defenders or three defenders. <laughs> yeah, imagine, you want. imagine having the goalkeeper on the line all the time when... The goalkeeper can go and support them and play as well. So that's it comes with that. It comes with the modern football. I've so, seen too many get chi- even at the local level they get chipped time and time again, and therefore you've just lost the game. Is it? Do you reckon it's a good idea then, Val, or not? Here's the right answer, lads. <laughs> here's the right answer, right? The the guy that took the goal, okay, um, he, it was actually about five or six yards over the the halfway line, which is a hell of a dif- distance out. Yeah. Okay, but he's hit it in a way. He's hit it like a golf shot with, with a draw, mm. and and basically it's a, a smashing goal. And I'll tell you this: I'll be surprised if it's not voted the best goal of the the competition. Mm. That said, and especially as a Scotland supporter, what the hell is the goalkeeper doing? Thank you. 
right? Thank because because really, you know, and and and. And the and the, the bloke that gets involved occasionally in football, Ricochet, that's what happened there. Yeah. We had a shot, a ricocheted off a, a player, and it broke immediately to Sheik. He's looked up, ping, hmm. the goalkeeper's okay. at least so tw- 25 player, yards out. was that player, Ricochet? It was Ricochet. his fault. Yeah. It was his fault. Ricochet. Yeah. So, yeah. so what now? Drop Marshall for the game against England? I thought Marshall was our best player. <laughs> there you go. Cotter, if that goalkeeper is standing where he's meant to, it's no goal. True, but you know what? Sometimes it's the, their decisions, right? They gave them the freedom, obviously. And if you see the goalkeeper taking that decision and like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. They need to see that. They need to read the game as well. Like, yeah, modern football tells you to go up. But I'm saying that no goalkeeper is going to go crazy up or even forward. You know what I mean? They have to protect the goal. That's the first yeah. priority. Yeah. And today, some players have that much freedom. And they just but have Cote, the freedom. But Cote, the goalkeeper's got it wrong. He's not read it properly. He's too right. far out. Had he, had, he adjusted, mistakes, you know? had he adjusted his position by 10 or 15 yards, yep, because he becomes a sweeper then. And if you look at the, the, the setup, it was man, the left at man on man with the goalkeeper being the sweeper. You've just wiped away one of the greatest goals of the Euro. No, no, I, said, <laughs> I thought it was a great goal. For me, that was just sheer brilliance. 50 odd metres. No, it was. Not denying right. that, Val. I mean, but it we'll, can't we'll, happen if the goalkeeper's I doing know, his job. We'll go back to D- Diego Maradona's goal, 1986. Look at England's mm, defence when he chopped through it. Should we ruin their defence and worry about how good the goal is? I thought the goal, that's what I'm talking about. That goal is just out Quality. of this world. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just Quality. say that well, it should win the, the, the best goal of the competition. However, the goalkeeper's picked it wrong. He's, he's made a bad decision. But Schick was brilliant. His decision-making <laughs> decision on that was 10, 15 yards off the mark, for All sure. Right. You're listening to The Real Football Show. Hendrik. will try his luck again, but now it's Schick from range! Oh, it is a thrilling goal! It is one of the great Euro goals! You're the real football show. Albie Kidd, Val Miliaccio, Chris Dittmar. Time to go all the way to Scotland now, Albert. You'll be excited. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with Scottish football right now. Yeah, very exciting. The uh, look at the Euros overall, it's um, fantastic. But uh, let's see. Uh, let's have a chat about Scotland later on, Dits. Well, there's a big, big South Australian story. There's a big South Australian connection. We'll get to that. But right now, the chief football writer of the Scottish Daily Mail, all the way over there, Stephen McGowan joins us. Stephen, thanks for your time. No problem, guys. Good to speak to you. Um, first up, Scotland the other night. I've heard for three days from Albie Kid telling me how poor <laughs> Scotland are. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, you know what? It was a it was a strange old game on Monday. It was it could just as easily have been two two. I think the Czech Republic had a really outstanding striker, scored two terrific goals, and they had a goalkeeper who was inspired. I mean, I have to say, I've seen Scotland play worse. I'm not saying they played well, but I've seen them play worse. And, you know, it, it did feel like the same old story for us. It feels like we've been in this movie so many times in the first game. I think we've played 10 opening games of major tournaments since 1954. Only won two. In fact, it's wow. 11 now. So so it, it's a poor record. I think it's just days of expectation build up. And then it all turns to dust. 
You know, it's um, a baffling syndrome. Look, it was, you know, for me, Stephen, it was um, <clears throat> really disappointing in terms of even the first goal, you know, you've got the guy yeah. away to throw the cross and, and then it could have been avoided. Uh, the big fella up front there, difficult character, good player. He rises above and he, and he scores. But to, when they lost the second goal with the goalkeeper somewhere midstream of yeah. halfway line and on his goal line, it's just... Yeah bamboozling what he was doing there and look admittedly the the guy struck it with the big fella as well uh, Check he, he was um, in very very good form Stephen in my opinion but for yeah. the goalkeeper to do that at a crucial time in the game the game's on well and truly on at 1-0 that just killed the game for me yeah but you know what I mean I, I've seen a lot of that comment and I understand it I, you know I sympathise with it but there's so much that has to happen. You've got the defender, he has a shot from 40 yards, Jack Henry, which then ricochets off a Czech defender. They blocked really well, the Czechs. The ball breaks straight into the, the, the other half. When the striker looks up, he sees a keeper so far off his line. Yeah. It's still, t- you know, he swears the ball with his left foot. It dips under the bar perfectly. There's so much has to happen for that to finish a goal. And it was just one of these, I think if he tried it another 99 times out of 100, it wouldn't come off. But, you know, listen, it's it's, it's one of those, it's, it's really bruising experience for Scotland. And, and they have Wembley coming up next, which is, mm-hmm. uh, let's be honest, it's, it's, a slightly, it's a slightly terrifying prospect. But, you know, as we do, and unfortunately, we're too happy to do this. Far too often, we'll go and enjoy the occasion. I think we have to good go game to win. Days of being good, good yeah. game to win at Wembley <laughs> for many reasons. It's a good game to win. They won't take Listen, our freedom if, if we do. If we do win it, then I will be more than happy with tearing the goalpost down again. Like <laughs> I'm with you there, Stephen. Absolutely. Stephen, the other big story uh, we'd really like to talk to you about is obviously Ash Postacoglu getting the job at Celtic yeah. and and the speculation which has been circling for the last 24 hours about an Adelaide boy, Ross Aloisi, becoming his assistant. I mean, where where do you sit in all this? And obviously you've got very good knowledge of Celtic and Scottish football. Well, I, I, I think John Kennedy, who's the current assistant manager, is considering his future. I think he has a big decision to make because he doesn't really know Ange. And he will be his fourth Celtic manager. And... He's been, he's had a good one in Brendan Rogers with Celtic Swept Board. We're successful with Ronnie Dyla and with Neil Wennon. And he has to consider if he wants to work with a fourth manager. And the thing is, Ange Postacoglu is receiving a mixed reception here. Yeah. There are people who think he'll either be an inspired appointment straight from Wherefield, allied to people who think he could be a disaster. That's just a simple fact of the matter. I think there's an element of, I think, snobbery, disrespect towards Australian football and towards Japanese football as well in there, you know. Scottish fans go nuts when the English refer to the SPFL as a pub league. And there's a bit of that going on with regards to the attitude towards Australian and Japanese football. But equally, I think people are looking at Ange Postacoglu and are seeing a a 55-year-old man who has a good CV. Let's, Let's not, you know, let's not... Sugarcoat. Uh, he has a good CV, but he doesn't have a CV garnered at a top European club. But we're the Celtic are not going to go and get Pep Guardiola. Uh, not, not, you know, not even uh, you know David Moyes. 
you have to think that as a team of, of a reasonable European powerhouse that they should have been able to get someone with experience of high-level European competition. And I think that's the biggest bugbear for supporters who are pretty sceptical about this appointment. Stephen, I back up everything you're saying there, and I'm not just being patronising, but, you know, I'm, I'm an Australian. I would love Australian football to be at the forefront. And this this does a lot for our game in this country, I believe. For, for someone like Ange to be uh, given a job mm. at Celtic, but you just said it, Celtic are a massive European club, and I'm amazed they haven't gone for one of the biggest names in Europe because... They have to. They, you know, Man United, uh, Arsenal, all of these big clubs, Rangers down the road, would not go for someone like this. I'm really, really surprised. And look, we all we all have to give him a chance, and we hope he proves us all wrong. Yeah. But I am absolutely stunned by the, the appointment, I must admit. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, next season, if you win the Scottish League next season, uh, the coefficient means you have a very high chance of being an automatic qualifier for the group stage of the Champions League. Wow. So right there, that's 40 million quid. And I think people felt when Celtic went for Eddie Howe, the former Bournemouth boss, that you know they were they were really staking their staking the mortgage on, on getting a high quality English manager. And listen, Eddie Howe led them up the garden path. I mean, the, the, this, this post Chicago appointment is a combination of circumstances where they allowed Eddie Howe to to kind of drag them along for three months, and then when he turns around and pulls the plug at the last minute, they panic and. I think a lot of supporters, and I, I, listen, I don't, I don't claim to know this as a fact. I'm sure they would dispute it. A lot of supporters feel that Celtic too often turn to the Manchester City option, you know, and and Ange Postecoglou worked for Yokohama F Marinos, who who had a, a team in the City Group. Um, you know, the, the outgoing chief executive has really strong connections at Manchester City, and I think some fans feel as if it's Celtic acting a bit like Manchester City's feeder club again now. I don't think there's anything in it for Manchester City if Postecoglou goes to Celtic. But I think they just feel that too often the horizons don't span far enough. They always go for the same options, the same stable of people, be players or managers. And they should have stretched the net a little further, maybe gone for an out-of-the-box technical director and allowed him to appoint the coach. You make a very, very a lot of good points there, um, Stephen. But, um, you know, one thing I would like to hone in on is the, the City group. Um, they do yeah. own a lot of stuff. Um, the the actual technical director or football manager that is at, at Celtic now, he was the one that, yeah. as, you, as you quite rightly said, um, got Ange uh, interested in that job there. But are they have they got Celtic in the sights to buy them as well? Nah, I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't know. But I think it's. I think it's simply the case that. Um, Peter Lawwell is the chief executive of Celtic and strong connections there through Manchester City's loan manager Fergal Harkin. Um, you know, his son works in Manchester City. I think it's just I think it's just connections. I think it's just a contacts book. I don't think there's any real I don't think it would be at all acceptable to Celtic fans to, to become part of a, a nursery group of Manchester City. That, that that's unthinkable. And actually the, the major shareholder Dermot Desmond has shown no real inclination to sell. Um, but the problem is for supporters is that he's shown no real inclination to to become a kind of full-time landlord, if you like. Mm. He's a billionaire based in Dublin. He seems a bit remote, a little bit aloof to supporters, and I think they would really like to see just a bit more kind of modern digital thinking going into the club because at the minute, Celtic feel like an analogue club, and the problem is I think people really need Ange Postecoglou to go in there and modernise it, but he needs time to do that. And the one thing you never get in Glasgow, as you well know, Albert Kid, is time. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. But uh, you, you look at, um, you know, the Eddie Howe situation there, you know, it really frustrated me as well. It looked like he was um, wanting a, an each-way bet, Stephen, you know, yeah. seeing who, what, what come up in the EPL. And, and to one element of me says, you know, that's probably, you know, quite smart to think about that. But, but you know, the way Celtic handled that wasn't really good. But what I must say there is that, you know, looking at uh, Ange, and I know Ange well, I've done a couple of coaching badges at the Institute of Sport here with him in, uh, in Canberra. He is a, you know, disciplinarian. He knows the game. He's been successful with the clubs he's coached. And and one thing I must say as well, Stephen, is that he plays a, a very good, attractive brand of football, which will be very, well, quite refreshing at Celtic. Because we, as you're well aware, Stephen, Celtic have always been a football team. They, they don't yeah. kick the ball long. They play through, they used to play through the Tommy Burns and the, the Jinkies and whatnot. Uh, and, and they play good possession football. Ange will encourage that, Stephen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the one, yeah, I think that is the encouraging thing that people have, uh, have heard so far. The style of football seems well suited to Celtic, although I was slightly disturbed by Mark Bosnich saying that he was the kind of coach who would be happy with a 4 4 draw rather than a, an ugly 1 0 win. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't afford too many 4-4 draws as Celtic manager. Uh, you know, it's a unique job in terms of the pressure because there's only two teams in the league because you have to qualify for the Champions League. You must win week after week yeah. after week. And that kind of grinding, relentless pressure to do so, I think, gets to some managers. And I'd be interested what you guys think because, I mean, from what I see, Ange Postacoglu can be a fairly spiky character as well. So, yep. Um, yeah. You know, if the pressure's on here, you know, if there's a bit of heat coming after he's lost the game to Rangers in New Year, how's he going to deal with that? You know, there, there are unique pressures in this, this environment and um, not everyone is 100% suited to that. And no. I include Eddie Howe in that, incidentally. Yeah. Albie, to you and to Stephen, I, w- one thing I'm interested in is his knowledge of players. Now, you might think that's a strange thing to say, but when you're Arsene Wenger, Sir Alex Ferguson and people of that ilk, you know when you get the checkbook out which players in Europe or maybe South America, do I want and who do I buy? Do you believe, has Ange Postacoglu got enough of that knowledge, having been here and in Japan? I'll let you go first, uh, Stephen. (laughs) You know, I think that's a fascinating point, and I think it's fascinating because if you think about it, with with, with the UK going out of of Europe now, they already have an issue getting Brexit players in with work visas, and now you 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 may have a manager who may want to go for players in the J-League, who may want to go from players for, 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 from from Australia. That's all well and good because that's guys he knows, but that brings an additional layer of bureaucracy. Hmm. You know, it brings brings an issue with visas or work permits. They're buying large Celtic get with Celtic want in Scottish football, but you know, convincing the UK Home Office might not be so easy. So, you know, I, I, I agree. I think it would have made more sense to get someone from Europe who knew the market, who could open up new markets for players and Italy or wherever, and you have to ask whether Ange Postacoglu is going to be that guy. Well, you, you mentioned, again, very good points there, Stephen. It is, it's uh, imperative that he knows the market. <clears throat> and I think that's what his, his problem is initially. Um, he really, you know, he's meeting up with people like Musket. Um, he knows the Vidukas of this world. He knows a lot of Socceroos there that he could tap into that um to, into that area there to, to sort of see what's available locally and all that type of stuff. But but for me, 
it's it's really better that, that you know that's in house. He's got somebody, you know. I'm good mates with Tosh McKinley, as you're well aware, Stephen, and he's yeah, he's yeah, uh, yeah. the chief scout at Celtic, and and Tosh will be well on the ball. But he's got to he's got to have a, maybe a three or three or four Tosh McKinleys that because he's he's going to have to learn what's going on there. You know, when, when he's playing in front of seventy thousand, once COVID goes, Stephen. Um, Mm. And he's playing in, in front of seventy thousand Celtic punters that, that that they all think they've got a bit of knowledge about the game, and there'll be scrutiny all over the place. There, uh, that's one thing that um, the culture as well that he's going to have to uh, come to terms with. But but really, that's a valid point that Ditz makes. You know, where is he going to get the players from? Are we going to see second grade Japanese guys that fail, or 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 what is he going to do there? Well, he's going to have to lean on guys like Tosh McKinley and John Kennedy if John Kennedy stays on to, to, to give. I mean, for example, one of the players I think they're interested in is Aaron Hickey, who, who is a, a young left-back who moved to Bologna in Serie A. Yeah. They'd like to bring him back to Scotland. So that suggests that actually the player recruitment for now, and he doesn't have a head of player recruitment because uh, Nicky Hammond left, that suggests that he's going to fall on guys like... Tosh McKinley and the scouts are there right now until he can get his feet under the table because he is going to need local knowledge. He is going to need guys who know the market. It's a peculiar league. It's a peculiar environment. He's going to need that. And, you know, you worry that if he doesn't get a period of acclimatisation or he doesn't settle in quickly, that the fans will turn quickly on him as well. So there's a real pressure to hit the ground running. And for that to happen, he needs some local knowledge and he needs some help. When is he expected to actually start? When when's he? Uh, his first I think session? I think it will be. I think it will be. They're going to Wales for a training, a pre-season training camp in July, mm-hmm. uh, early July. I, I think realistically, you have to look at the end because he has a a COVID period in a hotel. He has to have ten days in a hotel before wow. he's allowed to to yeah. leave isolation. Yeah. I don't, you know, we don't even know if he's in the country yet, to be honest. I think, I think what's made this slightly strange is that because Scotland did that at the Euros, the media focus is very much going on the national team. So there's less focus on Celtic, which yeah. probably suits Celtic pretty well in a current climate, I should think. Just before we let you go, Stephen, uh, yeah. this certain book that you wrote a few years ago, Heartbreakers, Celtic, Albert yeah. Kidd and 1986. Tell us about those days. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, in this part of the world, it's not really done to admit what your allegiances were when you were a young kid. But <laughs> if I say that I was on the pitch at Love Street in 1986 on May the 3rd, when Albert Kidd and Dundee hammered those two bullets into the hearts of, of Hart Midlovian <laughs> Football Club, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a fair bit about mm. myself. I mean, I, I think for anybody of my age, and I, I don't mean to admit I'm 51, <laughs> I think for anyone in my generation, uh, Mr. Kidd is, is, is a fairly iconic figure in Scottish football. Um, <laughs> because of that day, where we seven minutes effectively changed the course of an entire season. In those days, as Albert will verify, it was a very competitive league. We had, between 1980-1985, we had three different teams won the championship. We had Aberdeen and Dundee United challenging at a very high level in European competition. With Alex Ferguson, Jim McLean as coaches. And if Hearts had won in 86, it would have been four champions in six years. So it was a really competitive environment. And, um, you know, Albert really did write his name into the imprint of Scottish football. And it's amazing, as he, as he, as he will have told you guys a million times, 
you know, he is one guy that Scottish journalists always want on speed dial because every five years <laughs> we we have we, we have to phone him up just at the end of April, at the beginning of May, and say, right, come on, Albert, let's walk down memory lane. You've you've undersold it. It's more like two million. <laughs> 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 well, I'll tell you what, in summary, I've, I've had a lot of mileage out of that, uh, these two goals for sure. Yeah. Uh, I meet people all over the place and um, the, people remember it. And even my fellow teammates, Bobby Glennie and all that, he said, oh, you're on the television again. It, it comes on every year and, you know, it's like, and, and I try to convince all these Aussies across here, that, you know, the passion in Scotland where we are from, they never, ever forget. It's, you know, it's, it's just... It's just great, you know. But um, but the main thing for me, Celtic won the league that year, and um, that, you know I was very very pleased with that. Very pleased. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, you, you achieved this really unique accolade where you became a Celtic legend without ever pulling on a Celtic jersey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And actually, I won the Hibs Player of the Year that year as well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! Hey, Stephen, so nice to talk to you. So nice to meet you, albeit over the phone. Enjoy the rest of the Euros, and good luck for this big, big game coming up at Wembley. Thanks, guys. Good to speak to you. Stephen you? McGowan, he is the chief football writer at the Scottish Daily Mail. Fow, how did you see the Socceroos' performances over the last couple of weeks? Absolutely brilliant. Um, eight wins out of eight for Arnie's team, so they've easily won the second round Group B. They're now into the next round of the qualifiers for the Qatar World Cup. 28 goals scored, two against. The past four matches have been played in incredible heat, 45, 46, 47 degrees in Kuwait during the day. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can only imagine. I can't imagine what sort of heat they're playing. But it's, it's really is a great result. And uh, Suta, he, he's he's turning out to be the socceroo. You know, what is he? 200-odd centimetres tall. Mm. And he, so he's their tall. secret weapon in Asia. Yep. yep. He's a good player. He's from Scotland, though. You know that, don't you? Oh, come he plays on. the Socceroos. <laughs> How about the Australian like- guy who plays in Scotland? Dykes. Are we How speaking about? Well, who was speaking about? Right, you go from going off at a tangent, chopping and changing. But anyway, coming back to the the game at, at Jordan, um, playing against Jordan Dits Val, yeah, Cotty. Um, obviously, you know, it's a great result. But what was really not nice about the game was the conditions of the pitch. Yeah, the players have complained bitterly about it. You know, they could have got injuries going over on their ankles and whatnot. So, thankfully, they've not got any injuries. But uh, if you look at the interviews on the on the net, chase, mm. they're very, very disheartened by the, the condition of the pitch. Oh, well, they, they can't help the conditions. And the yeah, good thing is that, that because of COVID, it's over and done with now. And they can look forward and, you know, hopefully the round three, as people start getting vaccinated around the world against this terrible pandemic, we can mm. play home and away. All right, so uh, got through unscathed. Explain the process now, Val. Where do the Socceroos head? So it'll be uh, the AFC round three. So that'll be two groups and obviously the top teams from the two groups. So they're two groups of six. Mm-hmm. I, if I recall correctly, the top two from each group qualify for Qatar 2022. Okay. All right, Cocktail, did you see the Matildas play against Sweden? Nil-nil? Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, I think Gray, one of the best results so far. And I think it's a much organised on the back. Mm. You know, Tegan, uh, great goalkeeper, um, clean sheet. So that's very Did she stay on her line them. or did she wander off under <laughs> no, the halfway? No, no goals, no goals. She, yeah. did, she did super, super, And that's super the reason it was no-no. <laughs> Fantastic, you know, no goals. And I think that's positive. That's positive for... Uh, to head to the Olympics and mm-hmm. I just think they will click to the Olympics because these games are preparation when you don't score in these games what happened after they clicked mm-hmm. and I believe they will so mm-hmm. great game for them great result uh, people want to see goals yep. uh, you know I agree with that but uh, it will come 
They're playing Sweden at the Olympics. Yes, they Did are. Sweden play their number one team. Wow. Oh. Interesting. I, don't think I thought so. they will play, you know. I don't think so. I don't think, I think so the either. Germans did the same thing in their recent flag oh, friendly. They, play, they play their B or even, yeah. Yeah, younger and players. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not showing all their cards. But, but it's all, a good result. Smart. Overall, from the coach's point of view, they've lost a lot of goals recently in the previous games here. That's a good result for the coach. Nil-nil against a very good side. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they're going in the right direction for sure. All right, let's move on. A-League finals. Uh, first of all, Adelaide United. Very good result for them against Brisbane. Oh, absolutely. And Tommy Urich, is, that was his best game of the season by, uh, by a country mile. Scored two really good goals. The team had to reshape. And I thought that for that game against Brisbane, they looked balanced with Kito mm. on the left wing. Kito done well. Uh, he yep. did. He did really, really well. And uh, obviously Lopez at left back, I thought he was a little bit caught out with pace in the beginning, but he, he got used to the game pace after. But they looked really, really good in transition. They weathered the second half storm. They got a little bit lucky, but yeah, you need were. luck. Yep. And now Sydney FC, without their Socceroos. So Redmayne, obviously Ryan Grant and uh, Ryan McGowan won't be there. This is now the chance to yes. actually grab Sydney by the throat, beat them and get to the grand final. That's a key point you made there. They're missing some superstars at the Sydney team. I think that they could, they've got the capacity to go up there and get a result. Uh, you look at uh, Tommy Urich. You know, his uh, second goal there, um, Val, when he sprinted away from that guy. Yeah. I never thought Tommy Urich had that sort of pace. Because he, he left him the other guy was really in his wake, you know? <laughs> no, no, but everyone yeah, yeah. said the same thing. I agree with that. I haven't seen him so no. quick. I mean, maybe the other one oh, is yeah, not, but yeah. you know what? Great goals. Great goals. All right. Uh, what about Adelaide United without Craig Goodwin? What does it mean? Well, look, Craig Goodwin is a, he's a match winner. He's a, you know, he, pl- he plays at uh, the big games and um, I've always said that about Craig. You know, he, he could turn it on when he likes to turn it on, but, you know, it is a big loss. He's a guy that's in form before Urich coming into the team now, but, you know, it's, that's offset Goodwin. To get Tommy Urich in there is, is fantastic. But the way Keto played, where, where uh, Goodwin plays, that's on the left-hand side, as, as Val correctly mentioned, is, you know, we've got cover there with Keto because he is, he's playing with a bit of confidence. Yep. He, I'll, I'll tell you what, he, he was breathing out his backside uh, the last <laughs> 15 minutes, guys. Mm. But if he's going to be able to play for 80 minutes or so at that level, good on him. Because yeah. he, he's, covered, he's covered Goodwin. Uh, now, it's been announced there'll be no crowd at the Melbourne City game. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, which is a shame, yeah. But there's nothing we can do about it. We are caught in this pandemic. And they're paying, playing MacArthur and uh, Melbourne City missing, obviously, Jamie McLaren. 25 goals this season. That's a yeah. big, big negative for, for Melbourne City. So it this is. is a chance where this could be the shot grand final that nobody expected. MacArthur mm-hmm. v Adelaide United. Yeah, and good if, point, well, Good point. If Adelaide beats Sydney and MacArthur beats Melbourne City, mm-hmm. the grand final will be hosted in Adelaide, which yeah, is incredible. Incredible. Where would they play it? Well, there was a grand final at Adelaide Oval the last time Adelaide United won, and there was 52,000 people. Uh, I don't know that Adelaide Oval is available this time around. That's the thing. Uh, Because nobody's expected it. Nobody's booked it. I think when Adelaide did win the premiership back in 2016, Adelaide Oval was booked months in advance for that weekend. Well, I think they would play Coopers, though. Remember when we we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago and they said, they mentioned Coopers will be the stadium if well, it happens. Well, Val, you know what I would do? Uh, thinking ahead, and we're getting ahead of ourselves. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I would go to Adelaide Oval on a day that it is available. 
Absolutely. Play on a Wednesday night. Play the grand final when you have to play it and get 50,000 people yeah. there. Yep. I would be amazing. I'm, I'm with you, Dits, because that grand Make it happen. You were at that grand final in yes. 2016. How good the was that? The whole city got involved. Yeah. You've got to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. All right, you're listening to The Real Football Show. The elimination finals come to Brisbane as the Raw protect their proud home record in finals. They played 10 before in the Queensland capital and they are unbeaten. One nine of those drew the other. Can Adelaide United become the first team to come to Queensland in a final and knock off the Raw? Urich again picked out here. Big chance. Tommy Urich ends his goal-scoring drought. And Adelaide United lead on the road. It was Brute one stuff. He's chested down the last three balls that have come his way, and this time to devastating effect. Massive story for Australian football, the fact that uh, Ange Postacoglu is now coaching Celtic. Uh, but part Jeez. B to this story, the big, big rumour going around, another big Australian story, South Australian story, is that Ross Aloisi Val is also being linked to Celtic. He is, and uh, he joins us now. There's a big match for Ross, of course, on the weekend v Sydney SC. He's the assistant coach of Adelaide United, but the uh, real big story is the link with Celtic. Ross, what can you tell us about that, mate? <laughs> uh, the only thing I can really tell you is that I spoke to my agent, uh, Frank Trimbley, two days ago, but that's about it. I think my focus at this moment in time is uh, the task at hand, and that's to play against Sydney FC on the weekend and get the result and then hopefully host, host the grand final. So just with regards to the Celtic link, so we do know, or I do know, anyway, that you worked with Ange Postacoglu back in 2017. You were his scout for the Confederations Cup. And you're also part of the national team system when you were the assistant coach of the Matildas. So yep. you know him quite well. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I know Ange uh, reasonably well. I've kept in contact with him over the years as well. So, um, but, yeah, our... When did he last ring you? <laughs> like what time soccer. was it? What time did and, he last ring you? And my uh, my agent, Frank Trimbley, uh, looks after him. So, um, like I said, you know, that's not my focus. My focus is on Adelaide United, and, and that's and that's it. You know, we've we, got a game to play on the weekends, and and uh, we're preparing the best we can with uh, with the players that we've got. It is very, very important at, at uh, the weekend, Ross. We all know that, but uh, stop deflecting that. This is, a, this is really, really big, you know, especially a Scotsman speaking to you as well. So uh, what an opportunity of that comes uh, on your side there, mate. Yeah, look, I mean, everyone wants to work with Ange Postacoglu and, um, you know, I spent a bit of time with him up in Brisbane when he first started coaching uh, the Brisbane Raw that season, the, the first season that he uh, won the championship. Um, and yeah, look, you know, everyone wants to go into Europe and, and coach, but the you know, reality is there's, there's a lot of obstacles that uh, you have to cross and, and, uh, it's not my focus, not my main focus at the moment. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I'd love like everyone else to, to go to Europe and coach, but you know, we've got a big game. Um, and that, and that is, you know, it takes a lot of energy out of you because there's a lot of analysis that needs to be done, uh, a lot of training. Uh, to prepare for this game and, and, you know, we want to give it our best shot. Well, ideally, Ross, it would be great to go and beat Sydney and go all the way and, and win the championship and then at the end of that, uh, you're off into two weeks quarantine over there for a European a Champions League qualifier. Are we, get, are, are we actually getting ahead of ourselves here or what? Actually, talking about the qualifier, Celtic in their first match play AWM Bills team, Michelin from, from Denmark. So you, you could go. give Ange some scouting news on that one. Exactly. Then. 
exactly. But but on a serious note, uh, Ross, uh, what an opportunity! A big club, you know, a, a big global club, and to be sitting alongside Ange, possibly, uh, it must be very exciting for you. I know your focus is on the game Saturday, but you've got to be um, thinking that in the background there for sure. Uh, look, honestly, and this is all jokes aside. My my thoughts and only thoughts are on Adelaide United and, and on this game because, you know, we've got a massive opportunity here um, to win this game against Sydney FC. We beat them at home in the first round. We came back from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 in Sydney, which the game we should have won 3 or 4-2. Um, we weren't uh, physically right when we played them here when we got, uh, we got a bit of a touch-up. So we're preparing ourselves and, you know, it's been a tough season with all the injuries that we've got. So the focus mm. is all here. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're missing Craig Goodwin. Uh, in it. Yeah, and it's something that happens in training, and and he played a massive part in our um, in our season to get to where we are, uh, along with a lot of other players. And you know, it gives an opportunity for a lot of uh, younger players, and and possibly um, Ryan Kiddo to uh, to become a star of the game because you know, finals games are one offs. We know. Uh, there's no second chances, and uh, you know there's players that want to step up and and be the hero, and and that's how you make a name for yourself in in football, especially in Australian football, and and also uh, get some more money from the club. <laughs> uh, the talk is that he will miss the rest of the series, which is very very sad, and uh, certainly yep. hurts uh, a fair bit. So how do you cover it? You've mentioned Ryan Kiddo, but um, yep. I would have thought someone like Craig Goodwin, you almost have to cover it as an entire team, don't you? Yeah, look. It... <laughs> It's a difficult one because, you know, he brings so much uh, to the team as far as his ball skills go. Um, he uh, probably lacked a little bit of fitness uh, as well going into quarantine and, and coming from, from uh, the Emirates or, or Saudi. Um, so there's, Ryan Kiddo gives us another dimension and, you know, finals games, we need to fight. And like I said, it gives an opportunity to another, another player to to perform we've had to do it all season you know we've never ever this is the first time in my coaching career that that uh, I've worked with a team that we've never had our best team on the park not once this season mm. so it just it, we all need to to work together um, as a unit and and make sure that we've got tactically we're right and then let the players step up and uh, create a name for themselves Ross what what is it with these injuries and I mean, they haven't been touched on, I don't think, quite hard enough. And you just said it. You haven't had your strongest team ever for the entire season. And, like, the past two game days, the day before, you've lost players. What's going on? Because, in my opinion, that I don't know if, that, if that's acceptable. Yeah, hang on. Um, saying, sorry, I want to ask you something on that. But injuries are injuries. What are you you're saying? There's a, a problem with the setup or the system or something. If people get injured, they get injured. Well, I'm not inside the camp. A lot of these injuries are soft tissue. And we saw last week. Cassini Yengi, um, a key, I think, yep. perhaps second striker behind Tommy Urich. Mm. Day of the training, he does his hamstring. All right, but that happens. Ross, how do you answer it then? Um, yeah, it doesn't happen, uh, Dits. Um, when, when there are repeated injuries, there, there's, there's an issue. Um, but I'm not going to go into that because the club are doing uh, an independent review um, on, the, uh, on that side of things. Yep. So that's not for me to, to talk about. And I'm sure the club will come out and, and uh, do what they need to do and, and say what they need to say at the right time. But you know, it's, uh, 
you know, with all these injuries, there's there's plus sides as well because we've had you know young Johnny Yule, who's 16 years of age, mm. played his he's played a couple of times um, in the first team. Uh, Mohamed uh, Toure, you know, 16. Then we've had um, uh, Yaya Dakuli, who was 17, has played a number of times. So with these injuries, we've had the opportunity to play these young players again. With young players, you're going to get the inconsistencies as well. Um, but look where we're at. We're at the semi-final, yep. and you know, and it's a credit to everyone at the club. Um, you know, and it's, I really do feel for Calvier because it's very tough as yeah. a coach to to get your team to where where we're at and playing semi-finals with uh, you know with what's happened so far this season, and it's it's exciting times for the club. Let me tell you, because we uh, if we can get it right next season, um, it's going to be very very tough. But we've got a lot, a lot of good young players coming through, and mm. with the experience that we've got as well, it's uh, and it's great for all South Australians. Bottom line is, I'm a proud South Australian like all of you guys. And, you know, like the supporters, we want to win. doesn't matter what we do, whether it's Port, whether it's uh, the Crows, whether it's um, the Thunderbirds, whoever it is, the 36ers. Adelaide United represent South Australia and, yep. and we want to do the right thing by all South Australians and hopefully bring back that championship. Ross, I guess uh, Tommy Urich coming good at the right time. He had a couple of goals at the weekend there. Um, he's a good player, obviously, and uh, he offsets, in my opinion, Goodwin, uh, albeit that the two of them would be great to get back in the team. But um, but Tommy Urich coming good at the right time, Ross, that's got to be a massive plus for the club. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, these uh, strikers and top strikers are hard to come by. And, you know, unfortunately uh, for Tommy, he's been played with injury uh, all season. And he's been working hard and, and uh, doing a lot of work after training as well on, on finishing. And, and it, it showed, I think it was this, the last game of the season, uh, he came on for half an hour and he looked sharp and, and very good. And then on the weekend, he was, he was exceptional. Unfortunately, but only last 70 minutes and hopefully he can last a little bit longer on the weekend. But these big players stand up in big games. And that's where, you know, unfortunately with Craig Goodwin, you know, he's, he scored a lot of crucial goals for us to win yeah. us games. And he stood up and, you know, like I said, it's it's time for someone else to, to stand up. Yeah, I'm agree um, with that. I think as a player, Ross, and, and I think it gives the opportunity for all the players to step to step up. You know, I've been in that situation as well. And and, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be a big game. My question is like, you guys, well, the team has um, young players. How do you keep them on the same page or not on the same page, but focus? You know, when I play with younger <laughs> players, sometimes they think... Oh, we're gonna play, but they don't really realize. Sometimes, you know, they go into big games like that, or they just take it like how, like men's. I mean, immense. Yeah. It's it is difficult because that's why Calvi brought me in to keep these players on the same page and mm. <laughs> yeah. level-headed. Um, yeah, you know, on a serious note, with that, uh, I think you know we spoke about it yesterday um, after training that you know these opportunities don't come along all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, as a player, I won my first championship and I just turned 19 and I played in another two and uh, or played in one, but I was involved in another two in Australia and lost them both. And uh, I just explained to the players that, you know, you got to take it when it comes and don't take it for granted. We've worked all year. And like every other team from, from zero to where we're at at a, a semi-final, don't throw it away now. Yeah. And yeah. you've got. If you get beaten by a better team, so be it. But you've got to give everything you've got. And uh, and these young players, you know, um, sometimes it's good. It works for you in a, in a different way because they probably don't understand the whole mm. importance of the game as well. Yeah. 
All right, Roscoe, thanks for talking to us, mate. Uh, good luck on the training track in the next day or two. Good luck on the weekend. It's a huge game, and good luck with what we think is around the corner. All right, we'll leave good it luck, at that. Ross. <laughs> good luck, Ross. Thank you. All guys. the best, Ross. Good on you, mate. Ross Aloisi. To finish off with the Real Football Show, the hot topics are making news around the world of football. Val, tell me about Channel 10's announcement in recent days here in Australia. Absolutely massive. Um, Viacom have come to the party of the A-League and W-League. Yes. They've just come to the party now with the FFA Cup and all the home. that The station now is the home of the national team. Socceroos, Matildas, yeah. underage size, Ollie Roos. Right. And Futsal. Which is great. Futsal. Futsal. Wow, so now, I've never futsal. seen the – is it a good I mean, TV it product? Is, it is a fantastic TV product. Is it? Absolutely. You've got to go watch a futsal match, Dits. It's okay. fun. This is where – No, fun. I've seen it. I've seen local. Uh, okay. you know, no, I've, I've watched is... – but um, is it a good TV product? That's Absolutely. my question. Absolutely. You, you get really uh, good Kotev, futsal there, from your experience in South America, is it already on TV? Do we see it much? Well, the thing for us, the most popular thing is 11, like big – like football, football, but futsal, it's where it always start. Yeah. We start playing futsal and, right. and, and that's when your skill comes. So it's fun. Yeah. It's really skillful mm. and it's quick. Okay. Lots of goals. All right. The other news is, this is massive for the game as well. Australian football mm. soccer is very close to finalising a $100 million US sell to a private equity company. What's the money for? Where will it go? They're investing. In what? Into our game. Right. Into football. Yeah. So that's going to get... It's going to really strengthen the every A-League club, W-League club, but not only that, the entire game. So we've got investors now since Viacom has come in, Channel 10. So that tells me, uh, just reading between the lines, and Abby, I'll bring you in on this, we could potentially attract big-name players because there'll be the money there. So we could now potentially take part in world transfer markets for serious money and make offers to serious players around the world. Is that what it means? Definitely does, yeah. The bigger the game, the bigger the, the bigger players will come. But but the main thing, the main agenda on the Viacom uh, is um, agenda is is certainly the want the football code, as in soccer, to be the the biggest sports code in in the country, which Just, is a, which, right. which is a massive ambition. But um, but the you know it's, it's a serious. Yeah, but um, if there's that money, it, money. it can happen. But if there isn't that money, it will never, ever happen. No, and, and I'm agree, uh, thinking about women's and because I'm also a player, I, we just wish and we just hope the league goes longer, not just three and four months. Yep. Hopefully, you know, we want to see this league going for a year. Sure. Big con- not big contracts, but for a year contract, then you don't have to worry about mm. anything else. Yep. Attract big players as yep. well and then uh, grow the league because they woke up. But the one thing as well there, if that money is going to be involved in the game, that's, there'll be a restructure big, big time. There'll be different processes going through. There'll be different league structures. There'll be different numbers of teams in the league. It's, it's, it's massive. It's Not great. only that, it, it, it's the entire well-being of the game. So it'll be at the top end and filtering through to the bottom end yeah. and across everything. And mm. we've seen, to be fair, mainstream media dying over the last 12 months. Every mm. it, That will now come back and... The club's values are just going to go yeah, through the sure. roof. If you bought a club really cheap five years ago, hang on to United, it. United, say for example, yep, yeah, it's, it's probably worth. It's going to be worth three times more. Can I yep. say something? It could be also because Australia's thinking that hey, big country, great country to live. Also, oh, yeah. people want to invest. Lifestyle, exactly. Play lifestyle. good football, lifestyle. And, and I think that's it comes from that because the pandemic <clears throat> at the moment is big. So people wants to come here invest. Mm. We are the only ones available to you well, a couple months ago to bring crowd 
to have full stadiums, you know, and sure. enjoy that. Yep. Yep. So yep. it will bring, it will lift the game. And just with the American game, the, the major leagues, league soccer, it started, what, 27 years ago from, from where it was to where it is now. And I want to speak to somebody in the US about this. Their transfer market is just exploding. Mm. They've got players like uh, uh, McKinney that fr from, from Juventus now worth 40 million euro. From a, an American player. Yep. Ten years ago, you'd think, yeah. who'd buy a player from the US? Yep, this sure. is great. Fantastic. All right, this is a massive story. We'll follow this in the weeks to come. Huge. Uh, good work, Val. Uh, Albert, Scotland versus England. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that game. It's, it's a, a massive game. And, you know, the history, I don't need to go into the history, but um, the, the result, it's a massive game. It's at Wembley. Uh, there'll be a lot of people, you know, down there, um, maybe... I would guess that the crowds would be restricted mm. uh, to 20,000 or whatever it may be, but uh, there'll be a lot of Scots down there. They're what always, will the score be? Always, they always take over London mm. when the, there was a, a Scotland-England match. But look, from a football point of view, um, I think you know we're well short of beating England, uh, sorry, uh, losing to England. Um, and, and, and really, you know, it's all heart from Scotland. You know, if you look at player for player, yep. pound for pound, you know, we're, we're well short of England, but um, you just never know in a derby match like that. Well, it's what are you hoping for? What What do you think can happen? 4-0 for Scotland. 4-0? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I reckon, I reckon Scotland are going to get up. Hang on, Val saw, thinks she's going to win. I saw England play Croatia. Mm. That was one of the worst matches of the Euro, All right, in my opinion. You've and convinced me. I'm going to have $5 on it because I think the odds will be pretty five good. Bucks. Well, the tactics are, I've, I've heard about the taxes. I think they're going to try to get three players sent off, uh, England players, so we've got a good chance. You yeah. know, but but yeah. seriously, it's going to be a big game, and, and it's a, a very, you know, well, you've seen the brief art for them, didn't yeah. you? Oh, you all yeah. see that? Yeah. There's play a bit that. of that Will happening. they play that before in the change room? Yeah, they should. Fire them up. I reckon there will be. Yeah. I reckon there'll be a few guys on the touchline looking like Braveheart. Yeah. I'll tell you so what. Mel Gibson's going to get them up over yeah. the line. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a Saturday note, Christian Eriksen, the cardiac arrest, yeah, that, yeah. that was terrible. And he's, he's But the fallout from it's bad as well because the players felt they were forced into playing and they just weren't given the best advice, were they? It, it would have been hard for UEFA. But, it, I, you know, as a human being, I would have thought, postpone the match. Yeah, exactly. play, play, it, play it another night yep. because you could yep. see that the, the Danes' minds were no longer in sure. that game. Anymore. When you're watching a teammate... Yeah. Who had no pulse. You think at the time fighting for his life, it's... Um, How could you it, expect... It wasn't your, handled that well. No. How could you expect your players to be focused on a game when yeah. that's yeah. just happened? Yeah, you can't. It's, it's alarming for me yeah. that they never postponed the game completely. Cristiano Ronaldo breaking more records for Portugal. The yep. Euros... And he cost Coca-Cola $5.2 billion. <laughs> How about that? Nah, they said <laughs> that the is power. not true. They found out like it's not real. Okay. Like it, they, they lost like $4 per chair. That it's well, not it's what happened... Big. Yeah, but it's not like, you know, what they said on the news. They yeah, okay. I read it this morning. <laughs> Alan Stajic, yes. what a story. What it gets Central Coast into the finals. They they've been bottom of the table for seven years. Apparently he's quit. It hasn't been um, officially put out there, but everybody's saying he's quit the Mariners. And what's behind it? You're the newsbreaker, what's the story? It, well that's it seems to be no, it's not not that they're out. It seems to be that the, the owner and this is what I'm gathering from social media, this is not my opinion, is not investing, not putting back what the club should be getting in terms of investment for, for actually Alan to continue right. to build the club. Okay. So that's massive news from an A-League point of view. Adelaide United's process for the football director's role, mm. it starts 
very, very soon, so they're starting to interview. Now, there's a lot of names that are being brought up. One of them has been Jacob Burns, mm-hmm. ex-Perth Glory uh, football yep. director, ex-Socceroo, Leeds United, did the job at Perth Glory. Um, he's got an Adelaide wife. Okay. And they're living in Perth, I think, at the moment. The other, Ante Kovacevic. Yes. Who, obviously, great job at Adelaide United. Mm-hmm. The second coming. Western United, but I doubt they'll go for Ante. Mm-hmm because of what happened previously. And uh, Robert Cornthwaite's name is being brought, brought okay. up as well. Yep, so local boy um, would be a yeah a hometown favourite. All right. I don't think it would be. Yeah. Okay, you've been listening to The Real Football Show. Enjoy the Euros, enjoy your football wherever you are over the next seven days. We'll do it again next week.